everyone, and welcome to The Zach Drew Show. I'm Andrew Bellers. I'm going to be your host for today while, while Zach is out for the week. Don't worry. Everything's going to be back to normal next week. But in the meantime, we have some really, we really do have some, some important content that I want to go over this week. We're going to be talking about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. I know you might think, Andrew, I know everything there is to know about this. I've known it before you were born. Uh, listen, I hope that there is some information here that, that maybe you haven't heard before. Information I definitely didn't know before I started researching this week. So, so please don't tune out because I really, do, I really do think that this is important information for the body of Christ to have. Uh, as you know, recently Hamas launched around 3,000 rockets at Israel sparking the largest conflict that has taken place between the two in years. And while both sides have agreed for the time being to a ceasefire, I mean, we know that, that, that these two are far from being at peace. Like I said, this has been going on way before I was born. <clears throat> as long as Islam rules the Middle East, there will never be peace in Israel. And I have to tell you, I was, I was honestly surprised to see how many Christians are either boldly standing against Israel in this conflict, or they're just too, too uninformed to have any kind of opinion at all. And, and this is why I think that it's so important to talk about this today. As Christians who, who are predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ, we are God's imagers. We're supposed to look like God. Scripture says that when we believe, we were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in us, showing us truth, teaching us discernment. So, so why am I saying this? If anyone in the world should be able to tell between what is good and what is evil, it should be God's people. Isaiah 5.20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Proverbs 8.13 says, the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. Scripture is clear that we should be able to tell what is good and what is evil and that God wills for us to hate what is evil and to love what is good? How can we fight against evil if we don't know what it is? Ephesians 6.12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. The Israeli-Palestinian conflict. It's one of those situations that when you have all of the information, when you have all of the facts, when you know both sides, it's so incredibly clear-cut, it will leave you scratching your head wondering, why are so many people on the wrong side of this issue? Why do so many people actually hate Israel? I'm going to be making some bold statements that really should not be bold. They really should not be controversial statements. Hamas is evil. And if, and if we call ourselves children of God, 
If we believe that His Spirit lives in us, then we should be able to easily say that. So we really do have a lot to go into today, and and I'm just going to dive into the first article. Let's just talk about what happened. What happened a couple of weeks ago that lasted for around 11 days? Here's the article. How did the current Israel-Hamas conflict start, and what's next? During the beginning of Ramadan, many Jews were being assaulted for being outwardly Jewish. Palestinian Jerusalemites filmed themselves tearing Israeli flags and attacking Jews coming back from prayer from the Western Wall. Police reacted to the violence by preventing Jews from walking into the Arab quarter and setting up checkpoints to prevent more violence. Their job. The police were doing their job to protect their citizens. Some radical Palestinian groups accused Israel of discriminating against the Arab population in Jerusalem and encouraged Arab youth to riot. Does that sound familiar to you? I mean, to me, that sounds kind of like when BLM and Antifa rioters burn down half the city, and then when the police come and do their job, which is to quell riots, which is to suppress violence, which is to arrest perpetrators, then then radical groups like BLM and Antifa, they use that action as evidence that the system is racist. And that's, that is the same exact narrative that they're using in Israel. The system is racist. It's an apartheid government. And the police doing their job is evidence of that. Let me keep going. As Jerusalem Day, an Israeli holiday mostly celebrated by national religious Jews celebrating the reunification of Israel in 1967, began on Monday during the beginning of the week, both Palestinians and Israeli border police clashed during the day. Jerusalem police stated that Palestinian rioters were throwing stones and shooting fireworks at the police. Such action later forced them to storm the mosque compound. Hamas has used the situation as an excuse to get involved and demand the Israeli government release all rioters in prison, as well as remove all Jews from Sheikh Jarrah, or at 6 p.m. they would launch rockets. Hamas, being true to their word, fired hundreds of rockets toward the center of the country, Jerusalem, the civilian airport, and the area near Gaza, which resulted in Israeli strikes. Because of course it Of course it did. Of course they're going to retaliate. Hamas was indiscriminately firing rockets at their civilian population. And because Israel is a close ally of the most powerful nation in the world, the United States, they have an amazing, an amazing missile defense system. I mean, if if you've seen the videos of this thing at work, it's just crazy. It's called the Iron Dome. Hamas, by the way, has no defense system at all, nothing. I mean, unless of course, you count using its own citizens as human shields as a defense system, then maybe you can make a case. So when Israel, when Israel ultimately fires back, which they have to, it always looks bad. It always looks bad for Israel because there will always be more Palestinian deaths than Israeli deaths. And it especially looks bad for Israel because a lot of those deaths that are being attributed that are being attributed to Israel are actually from Hamas killing directly their own citizens. Listen to this article. 
Palestinians bombard own people. 20%, one-fifth of Hamas rockets land in Gaza. Palestinian terrorists are bombing, bombarding their own people as 700 of the rockets fired from Gaza by Hamas and other terror groups land in Gaza, often killing innocent Palestinian civilians whose deaths are wrongly blamed on Israel. For more than a decade, human rights organizations have recognized that Palestinian rockets aimed at Israeli civilians, itself a war crime, also put Palestinian civilians in danger. Human Rights Watch, which is considered to have an anti-Israel bias, this is not a conservative source. This is a left-leaning source. This is something that they wrote in 2009. The unpredictable nature of the crude rockets has meant that rockets have struck areas not only inside Israel, but also inside Gaza. This is 2009. This is a regular occurrence. This is not just something that, that happened you know, in the past couple of weeks. This is their pattern. In addition, Hamas and other Palestinian armed groups have frequently violated the laws of war by firing rockets from within populated areas. In doing so, they failed to take all feasible precautions to avoid placing military targets with, within densely populated areas. Listen, Hamas is a terrorist group. That's not a radical statement. That, Hamas is a designated terrorist group by the United States, also by the Organization of American States, and the European Union. So basically the whole Western world agrees. Hamas is a terrorist organization. Why? Because Hamas has absolutely no regard whatsoever for their own people. They hide rockets in mosques, they hide rockets in schools and in hospitals, and they create makeshift launch sites in civilian locations, putting a literal target on the heads of their own people. And every time that they fire missiles at Israeli civilian populations, they're committing a double war crime. So why else are they terrorists? They regularly call for acts of violence, commit acts of violence and call for acts of violence. Here's a, here's a recent report from the past couple of weeks. A senior Hamas official has reportedly called on Jerusalem residents to buy five shekel knives to cut off the heads of Jews in a recent video. And you might be thinking, I mean, this is, this, this by the way, is the narrative. Hamas is just a small group of terrorists. They don't represent the average Palestinian. This is what Jen Psaki said uh, in, a, in, a, in a recent statement. She said, Hamas is a terrorist organization. Hamas does not represent the views, the families, the people who are suffering, suffering. All of the Palestinian people who are suffering as a result of this violence. And while I'm sure, I hope that that is true for at least some civilian Palestinians living near Israel, that totally disregards the historical facts. I want to talk about quickly here how Hamas actually came to power in Gaza. In 2005, Israel withdrew its soldiers from Gaza and mandated that all Israeli settlers evacuate the area. The Palestinian Authority called an election the following year, and Hamas won a majority of seats in parliament. So this is, we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but this is Israel giving freely as a gift, honestly, 
giving land to, to Arabs in the Middle East, specifically to people who identify as Palestinians, just hoping that they can broker peace in this area. And when they give it over for these people to govern themselves, this is what happens. This success put Hamas's rival political party, Fatah, which, which advocates for peaceful dealings with Israel in a parliamentary minority. Hamas was voted into power democratically. Let that sink in for a second. These, the, the civilians had a vote and they voted for this radical Islamic terrorist organization to govern them. And then the minority group, Fatah, who now, who now uh, basically runs the PLO, they're always praised as the peaceful ones. They're always praised as, as the more moderate, having a more level head. Immediately, they began, they began a war against Hamas to claim power. And they lost horribly. By mid-2007, Hamas had taken complete control over Gaza, successfully beating down Fatah forces and compelling Mahmoud Abbas, who is the leader of the Fatah party, compelling Mahmoud Abbas to relocate to the West Bank. But Gaza, I mean, it's a small little piece of land, right? Well, not exactly. The population of Palestinians in the Gaza Strip makes up around 40%, 40% of the total population of Palestinians combined between Gaza and the West Bank. This is a group. I mean, here's the, the, the narrative is they're just a terrorist group. They don't represent Palestinians. This is a group that was democratically voted into power and now represents 40% of the Palestinian population. It is... It is dishonest, at the very least, to say that they don't, at least in some capacity, represent those people. But this, this information, and this is information that's readily available, this doesn't keep radical leftists like The Squad and Black Lives Matter from supporting Hamas. Here's another article. Democrats side with Hamas, a terrorist organization over Israel in latest conflict. While 27.4% of all voters surveyed believe Israel is responsible for the recent violence in Gaza, that number jumps to 38.5% of Democrats surveyed. Meanwhile, only 15% of Democrats blame Hamas. I mean, when you, when you put it in this context, this is, this is, this is kind of a crazy thing to understand. Hamas has actually been designated by basically the entire Western world as a terrorist group. And Israel is one of our closest allies. And 38 point, almost 40% of Democrats are saying Israel is in the wrong and Hamas is in the right. That's insane. Here's a, here's a tweet from Black Lives Matter recently announcing solidarity, solidarity with Palestinians. This is what they said. Black Lives Matter stands in solidarity with Palestinians. We are a movement committed to ending settler colonialism in all forms and will continue to advocate for Palestinian liberation. Always have and always will be. 
Here's some other tweets. It's not just Black Lives Matter, because they are. Black Lives Matter is a radical group. And I would go so far as maybe even to call them a terrorist group, along with Antifa. And the reason why is because their ideology, they don't call for the reform of police. They want the abolition of government. That is a, that's a radical group. At the very least, they're a hate group. But here's some other tweets from representatives in Congress. And these are their thoughts on the situation. Congresswoman Cori Bush, the fight for black lives and the fight for Palestinian liberation are interconnected. She's saying they can't be separated. They're the same thing. That's, that's insane. AOC said apartheid states aren't democracies, talking about Israel. <laughs> when you realize the governments that occupy the Middle East and to be so bold as to claim that Israel, in comparison, is not a democracy, she's literally living in another reality. Bernie Sanders, we must also take a hard look at nearly $4 billion a year in military aid to Israel. It is illegal for the US, for US aid to support human rights violations. Ilhan Omar, bombing a school is a war crime. Bombing a hospital is a war crime. Bombing news outlets is a war crime. Firing rockets at civilians is also a war crime. If we believe in human rights, we should hold anyone who commits war crimes fully accountable. Now she's talking about, she's talking about Israel in retaliation to rockets, firing back at Hamas, they can't help that Hamas militants are literally setting up their launch sites on top of hospitals and schools. So who's really in the wrong here? Rashida Tlaib, a ceasefire is necessary, but will not alone achieve freedom, justice, and equality for all who live under Israel's apartheid government. So the narrative here is that is that Israel is this oppressive, racist system. I want to look at something real quick. Let's look at the number of times Palestine has denied its own statehood. After the Six-Day War of 1967, Israel more than tripled its landmass when it was attacked by its Arab neighbors and it defeated them. And since then, Israel has given back, listen to this, 94% of the land that it claimed, which it always intended to return, in the hope of fostering peace with its neighbors. There's a long list of almost 20 major peace offers, proposals, gestures, and opportunities presented to the Arabs by both the international community and the state of Israel going back as far as 1919 but all of them have been rejected. Every single one of these peace offers has been rejected by Palestinians. And, and even crazier than that, at least five of those were specific offers of statehood for Palestine. They literally said, here's, here's how we're gonna divide the land. You can have this land and you can become your own nation. They were handing it to them. And Palestine rejected every single one. The most recent of, of these offers was made in 2008 with the current leader of the Fatah party and the PLO, Mahmoud Abbas. This pattern of behavior led to the most famous quote from legendary Israeli diplomat, Abba Ibn, 
who said, the Arabs never miss an opportunity to miss an opportunity. But no matter how much Israel gives, it's never enough. Think about that. These, these Arab nations, as soon, the moment that Israel declared itself a nation, declared itself a state, five of its neighbors, Arab nations, all of them, band together and attacked Israel to wipe it off the face of the map. In a series of conflicts, and eventually in defense, Israel ended up more than tripling its land, and since then has given back almost 100% of it. Israel is not, that, that is why Israel is one of our greatest allies. They are a force of good in a land dominated by evil. Islam is evil. I mean, whoa, 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 Andrew, you mean radical Islam is evil. No, I'm saying the only form of Islam that is even, that can even remotely be accepted in a civilized society has been so far removed from the original text, is so watered down, that true believers of Islam call it apostasy. Islam is not a force of good in the world, and the nations that are ruled by Islam are, are evil. They're ruled by an evil ideology. And as Christians, we should be able to call that out. Why do, Palest why do Palestinians reject statehood? Why do they reject peace agreements? Because Israel is Dar el-Harb, or territory of war. And this is what they believe. This is a doctrine of Islam. Dr. Ali Dagi, Secretary General of the International Muslim Scholars, wrote this. There is a consensus among Muslims in the past and the present that if an Islamic land is occupied, then its inhabitants must declare jihad until it is liberated from the occupiers. So because the entire Middle East at one point was under Sharia law, was under the power of Islam when it was ruled by the Ottoman Empire, this is what they believe. They believe because it was once under Islam's control, it belongs to Allah. And they will fight and they will not stop fighting until they have control of the whole region. That's why they don't agree to peace deals. That's why they don't agree to statehood. They want the whole thing. They don't want Israel to exist in the world. They don't want Jews to exist in the world. That is evil. And I know that there's a temptation whenever you, you come across issues like this, conflicts like this in society. There's a temptation to be moderate. There's a temptation to be in the middle. Scripture says, blessed are the peacemakers because they're the sons of God. And I understand that. And if you, and I, listen, if you don't have the information, if this is all new to you, I encourage you, study this, research this. Find out whether what I'm saying is true or not. And I understand if you don't have the information, you know, it's okay not to take a hard stance. But I think you, you owe it to yourself to look into this. Islam is evil. Why, why do radical leftists who rally for LGBT rights, who deconstruct gender, and praise pronouns 
why, do, why are they aligning themselves with the same kind of religious radicals? Listen, Hamas, honestly, Hamas is no different than ISIS. Why are these leftists aligning themselves with the same kind of radicals who round up gay men and throw them off of roofs? Where's the logic there? How does that make sense? Why do radical leftists who praise victim culture and who claim to fight for the oppressed, why do they stand vehemently against one of the most oppressed ethnic groups in all of human history, the Jews? There is a grand spiritual conspiracy being conducted by the ruler of this world. It cannot be chalked up to any one thing. It's not just cultural Marxism, although that's part of it. It's not just socialism or Islamic radicalism. These are all means to an end. And, and if it doesn't make sense now, in time, the pieces are going to come together. If the enemy of any given regime or ideology is God and his people, I really believe there is no barrier that they cannot cross to join forces against us because they have the same father, the ruler of this world, who is Satan. And he is going to have his day in the sun. That's what, that's what, that's what scripture tells us. There will be a one world government. There will be a, a global rule that the Antichrist is going to rule over. Satan is going to have his day. And we need to be looking for these signs. We need to be able as Christians, operating by the discernment of the Holy Spirit, to say, this is good and this is evil. It doesn't do anyone any good to stand in the middle on issues that are clearly right or wrong. But we know that God already has the victory. We know that the days are dark. We know that they're going to get darker. But for the church, things are going to get lighter and lighter. And we will face persecution because we stand for what's true. But scripture says the, the trials, the tribulations of, of this life will be nothing, will be nothing compared to the glory that's awaiting us. And we should live in this hope. We should be encouraged in this to stand firm on what's right, no matter what happens to us, to, to receive the truth and the, the, the discernment of the Holy Spirit and to stand confidently for what is right. And when we stand for truth, when we acknowledge God publicly, as sons of God, when we acknowledge Christ publicly, then he will not deny us before his Father in heaven. Well, that's going to completely do it for us this week. We're totally out of time. I just want to thank all of you for tuning in, for watching. I really do. I hope that this content in some way blessed you. I hope that it edified you. Maybe you know a little bit more about this now. And I hope that it, that it encouraged you. I hope that, that you can stand a little more boldly on this truth now. Uh, things are going to be back to normal next week. 
Um, so I'll see all of you then. Mm -hmm.